When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to another Gangplank Report. You've heard Adrian and Jen talk about the most recent episode of this hit Bravo series. Now it's time to hear from you, the super fans. It's time for the bonus episode of the Gangplank Report. And here they are, Adrian Gang and Jennifer Bennington. Hey guys, welcome to another Gangplank Report Superfan interview. We've got a little bit of a break this week in the episode, so we're not doing a recap, but we are getting to catch up with Nikia, who is a super fan of Below Deck, also goes by Echo Does Radio on Twitter. Hi. Nikia, hi. How are you? Welcome. How are you, Adrian? I am great. And Jen and I have been talking for a little while. I've interacted with you a bunch on Twitter and especially in the last couple of weeks with everything that's gone on with Gabby. And I was really excited to get you on the podcast to kind of wrap up now that we're halfway through the season and Gabby has gone. I wanted to kind of get your download on all of this. Okay, perfect. If you see me, I'm on Twitter all the time, especially the below deck. Bravoholic in general, but yeah, below deck, I've definitely been tapped in on this season. It's really been triggering, so I can't wait to talk. Okay, awesome. Well, and usually the way that we start these out is Jen has a couple of like keynote questions. So we get to understand a little bit of the beginning of your below deck super fandom. Okay. Right. I just check out your bona fides and make, no, I'm okay. (laughs) She actually asked me, she said, is it okay if we interview Nakia? And I said, sure. I said, all I have to do is check Twitter to make sure she hasn't blocked me yet. That's that's the only requirement. (laughs) If you block me, you don't get to come on my podcast. (laughs) That's it. Fair. That's fair. But how did you get into the show? Were you a fan from the beginning? Was it a COVID binge? Okay, no. So I've been a fan for a while, but not from the beginning. The honest truth is my mom was a fan way before me. I think she started at season one. Yay, mom. <laughs> right. And in maybe about season four or five. The season I really started watching is when it was Kate, Ben, Bree, Amy. Mm-hmm. Ben is dating Bree and it causes all this tension within the galley and everything. So right. I really started watching that season. And then after I was like, oh, the show is kind of good. So what I would do is I would catch the below deck marathons throughout the day. Mm-hmm. So anything before that is a little bit of a blur, but I have watched everything. <laughs> I've definitely yeah. watched everything. Do you have a favorite franchise or do you just like whatever they put out? Controversial, but I think my favorite is Below Deck Mediterranean. I, I love Captain Sandy. I know. I know it's all right. It's all right. The thing about this is we love people that disagree with us because I like hearing other perspectives. I don't want to hear myself all the time. (laughs) You guys are the anti-Sandy? I mean, I know Sandy, so Uh, I have a slightly different opinion than Jen does. 
Mm-hmm. But I would say the same thing to her face that I have said on the podcast that I think she's a good person with good intentions. I think she just does and says some dumb shit sometimes and it gets her into trouble. And so I can appreciate the fact that she's human. And I know that Jen has a differing opinion about Sandy and I'm okay with that. We have lots of differing opinions, surprisingly. But for what it's worth, I think Sandy's a good human. I think she's just misguided sometimes. And so I can relate to the fact that you like Sandy. I think it's a difficult position to be in no matter what. I think it's harder when there's cameras involved. And I think that that screws with your judgment sometimes, especially when there's production manipulation. Mm-hmm. Oh, can I ask you a question? How much production manipulation is it? Because I've always felt like, well, I mean, I know you're an OG, so it might be a little bit different now. But I've always felt like what I like about Below Deck is it's one of the shows on Bravo that's not as produced as the others. So my season was vastly different than what you see now. And the feel of it is very different than what you see now. And Mm -hmm. I think that's because, well, I know that's because the producers had no idea what they were doing. So they took on a project without fully understanding what the breadth of it was. And they really only had time to turn on the cameras and follow us. Now they have ratings to live up to. They have other franchises to compete with. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like the manipulation is much more obvious to viewers that are paying attention to what's happening on the show. I think the editing is where, especially with this current season of Below Deck Sailing, you're seeing a lot of manipulation. So it's not so much in the moment while filming as it is in the post-production element of it where the manipulation really happens. Because what they do is create storyboards and storylines. And then once the season is filmed to completion, when they have situations and arcs where they have closure and where they have some semblance of organization, they're able to thread that through the entire season or specific situations that I don't think they had the ability to do during my season Mm -hmm. because it was just chaos. Your season feels like hitting cameras, like, you know, like like there weren't really camera men. They were just, you know, cameras in the corner. And I don't (laughs) feel like it's definitely a full-blown production. Like people will come in yeah. at all times, et cetera, et cetera. That's what it feels like as a viewer. Yeah. I tell people all the time, I'm not that good of an actress. I actually have a pretty terrible poker face. So <laughs> when people ask me, they're like, yeah, so were you acting? I'm like, no, no, no. It was new. You wouldn't have known. <laughs> yeah. Back to your favorite franchise. Tell me what it is you like most about Captain Sandy. We need to get some positivity out towards her because the rumor is that she's coming on for OG season. Oh, coming in and seven for Captain Lee. So, what? Uh, yeah, yeah. There's. It's a rumor now. It's unconfirmed, <laughs> but we've seen pictures of her at the railing on the ship, and the rumor is that he had to step off for medical reasons, and we don't mm-hmm. know how long she's going to be on, but we have heard that she is filling in for a bit. So, give us something that you like about her that we can cling to? Adrian's touched on it very well. I mean, it's very clear that Captain Sandy means well. I feel like she deals with a lot being one of the few female captains. I think as anybody who watches the show, if you watched all the franchises, the level of questioning that Captain Sandy gets is not near, especially not Captain Lee. Like nobody questions Captain Lee 
or Glenn, even though Glenn's, you know, nice and mild. But nobody really questions them as much as they question Kathy Sandy. And I really feel like it's because she's a female. However, I do see the concerns. Like, I do feel like sometimes she makes judgment calls that are a little bit too emotional. Like, sometimes she's a little bit too easy on Malia or too hard on Malia. There's definitely, like, a weird dynamic going on with Malia. But I think a lot of the stuff that we've seen her stumble over has been because of criticism from the audience. I don't really think, I don't think she's a bad person at all. Like, I love her. Like, she's really a boss. And, like, I'll give you an example. Like, that episode where you saw, I think it was Yao had a problem with the jet ski and she's like, oh, check under it. He's like, no, I've already... Like, you would never see anybody give Captain Lee that kind of flag, ever. Yeah, right. That's a very good point. And I do think that that plays a factor. And I went into it liking her. And then it shifted just because her style isn't my style. It wasn't about the emotion of it. It was about the micromanaging of it, I think. Okay. Because I had started with the original series with episode one, season one. And so you do get kind of used to a certain style of captaining. And even when Captain Mark did season one of Below Deck Med, he still kind of had a Captain Lee style. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just not as gruff. And so it was a big shift for me. And then it seems to me like she's a little more fan feedback aware, if that makes sense. Yes, I agree. I'm going to put my cape on. I feel like it. she started because she's been burned quite a few times. Right. Pun intended. So <laughs> I feel like she has no choice but to micromanage. And right. I, I can understand where she's coming from. And I get that too. That will probably help me see her in a new light because I do get in my own head about her quite a bit and that's why I love feedback and we've had a lot of people apologizing for people that they like on here and it's just like no we really want people to know we're open to everything what we love as fans of the show which even though Adrian's been on the show she's a fan now is just the fandom in general and all of the different perspectives that people bring to it and so I'm glad you gave me a reason to like her. Now, where do you stand on Malia? <laughs> wow, that's a controversial one. Um, I, think, <laughs> I feel like Malia has this Napoleon complex going. And when she gets in that mode that, uh, you know, I'm the big boss mode, that Napoleon complex brings out something really ugly. Again, I get where she's coming from. She's one of the very few female bosons. She's damn good at her job. I could never, ever right. take that over. And I but never do either. Yep. Mm -hmm. She gets in this like petty, vengeful mode. And then she uses her position in order to like justify the petty. Like if we go to the, the medicine thing with Hannah, because mm -hmm. yes, Hannah was wrong, but you saw that medicine like three episodes beforehand. So if you were that exactly. concerned... You mm -hmm. could have said something then, Miss Maritime Law, but no, don't use Maritime Law. <laughs> petty, like just be like, I'm petty and I'm tired of her. Like, so that's where it gets a little. Mm. And it's not like this is the first time she has a history of mess. The whole what was it, Adam and Wes thing? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, there's a lot of messiness, and then she'll use her rank to cover it up. So that's where I really differ with Malia. But again, I could tell she means well, and I love. She was one of the first bosons to like really speak on the diversity or lack thereof. And Yachting loved mm -hmm. that for her. I did not see that coming when, with her, Z, and Lloyd. So yeah, she means well, but I can say that I like Malia a little less than I like Sandy. I could definitely, I could definitely say that. Okay. You and I are going to be good friends then. 
<laughs> that's how petty I am I'm only kidding if people like Malia you can like Malia and I will still be friends with you people I swear maybe mostly <laughs> <laughs> did you start watching Sailing Yacht from the beginning yes I watched it from the very first episode I was really impressed with Lynn I prayed to God let's never see Jenna ever on TV ever again <laughs> ever like please and I got my wish and then like Jenna was pretty terrible but then I think the nail in the coffin really early for me with her was she appeared on Watch What Happens Live, like at the beginning, towards the beginning of the season, she was like also dry on there too. I was like, oh my God, so you're mean and you don't have a personality? Please spare me. So- <laughs> Tell me what you really think. I like Jenna. I know Jenna. Why, Asian? Why? I love Nakia. I think it's different <laughs> when you know some of these people in person. Yeah, I do too, because you like Bobby and I can't stand Bobby, so. Well, I'm also friends with Bobby. I know. I mean, for what it's worth, a lot of people didn't like me either. Like on the same level, I see people on my favorite webpage, Reddit, where they make comments like, who's the worst Chiefs do ever? And why is it Jenna? Or why is it Adrian? And I'm like, really? Really? (laughs) (laughs) It's 12 years ago, people. Get over it. Yeah. (laughs) So I take it then that when season two came around and you saw the new dynamic on Sailing Yacht that you were much happier with it, right? I was way happier. Yes, absolutely. And so this season, when they had the core three come back, you were sold too? Uh, I guess they picked a good core. I think it's interesting, or it's kind of too early to say, because I mean, I guess we're getting into a groove, but it's just very fun to watch Sailing Yacht figure it out because all the other franchises are like, you know, five seasons in. So where I think I like something or like, oh yeah, it's working, but I really don't know because I don't know the difference, you know, where they're going to go next season, right. whatever, but it's so good. So far, so good. I don't know if. I think I'm on the fence about Gary being the core person. Like, I understand why he is from a TV production perspective. Mm-hmm. And he is a good first mate. But... <laughs> yeah. Um, Gary's not your type is. either. I get it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, he's messy. He's so messy. And I have waffled so much on him this year because I started off this year being like, okay, well, if Glenn brought him back, that's a stamp of imprimatur that I can get behind because I adore Glenn. But I mean, his dynamic with Daisy has changed. He's much more cooperative. He's helping on the interior more. That has changed. But it's still the super messy as far as interpersonal relationships that I just am like, do you have to, you know, do you have to go from one to the other to the other? It's just, it just bothers me. And you're right. It's great for reality TV. They know who'll bring the drama, but at the same time, it's not necessarily the kind of drama that I love. Mm -hmm. So I struggle too. Mm -hmm. Speak for yourself. Yeah. I'm enjoying it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> see we do disagree we disagree a lot we just <laughs> I just edit it out mostly no I'm only kidding <laughs> well talking about this season's drama so part of the way that we connected on Twitter is everything that's going on with Gabby and I really want to get your take on this because I feel like you and I have a lot of the same opinions about what we're seeing or I should say a better way to put this is what is presented to us And I think therein lies the key. And when you were asking me earlier about the drama or the manipulation, I think this is where I look at the editing of this show and I just go, they did not do a good job because I feel like their story arcs aren't holding up and something is fishy in Denmark. 
I don't know. What do you think? I totally agree with you. I think besides, even without the blinds, because you know, you had the blind item floating around on the internet. But even before I read that, I saw the, the editing was a little off because I could see that Marcos and Gabby were having problems way before they ever even touched on it into the show. So like, I feel like we went from them having one argument to them being at odds at the villa like in maybe three episodes, but I could catch just on the body language, their interactions in the kitchen, the shortness, that he didn't like her way earlier than what we saw. Cause it definitely seemed one way to me. And I just, I don't understand why they didn't like at least, I know you can't put everything in the show, but they should have at least like breadcrumbed it before him because as a viewer, if you weren't picking up on the body language or the shortness or et cetera, et cetera, it's almost like, well, where did this come from? Why does he dislike her so much? But I saw it brewing early. Right. It seemed very whiplashy. I understand what you're saying. We went from everything's kosher or at least not contentious to a major amount of contention. And it does make you wonder, okay, what didn't you show us? And like you said, they did have to focus on Tom. He was only there for X number of episodes. Mm -hmm. So they had to fit his arc in there before he left. But at the same time, they could have done those breadcrumbs that you spoke of. Yeah. Because it does feel incongruous to the audience to see this happen so quickly over something that to us seems very minor. Mm -hmm. And I think they tried to do that with like, there's a scene where you see her suggest, oh, you want to put the fruit in a bowl for the guests? And he's like, no, uh, find the place. I put it on a plate. And you, they're like, voice over there so you can... I think it's clear that they're trying to build that, you know, they had an argument the night before, but they have to coexist now. But it still wasn't done that well. It was just like, well, why, you know, they're looking for place. Why is this tension? But like I said, I pay attention to body language mm -hmm. and like shortness and stuff. So I picked up on it early. And I love that you pay attention to the voiceover. Is it because you do that in real life? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. Because I'm a producer, I get so nitpicky that I'm like, Mm, that wasn't recorded well that was a dub over or right. I pay attention to when they cut away and you just hear a voice I'm like mm, something went wrong there yes I get very it's an audio ear you can't you can't really turn it off you so, yeah, cannot turn it off because when right before Gabby before she talked to Cookie and then went and met with Captain Glenn Captain Glenn came down to Daisy and they were in the laundry room uh, Daisy was in the laundry room he was in the hallway and they were talking and how they had the camera angles, you couldn't see either one of their lips. Mm -hmm. And I could hear the audio was completely off and it was driving me nuts. I was like, what were they saying? I need to know what they were saying. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's just, it's frustrating. That is, I guess that is an editing thing that I will have to realize that is a quirk that I have now. <laughs> yeah, it's a quirk and you're going to have to like learn to let things go or turn it off. Like, okay, I know the regular audience didn't see that, but I definitely saw it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, in speaking about that kind of thing and the creative editing, obviously, what do you see as the differences between what we see with Gabby now and what we saw with Rena and Lexi prior? Because I know you have opinions about that. Yes, and I'm who I've been waiting to ask. Okay, so I feel like, of course, Black women are not monolithic. So we got three different personalities between Raina, Lexi, and Brie. But even, and I'm going to be clear, I think Lexi was evil. She called herself Satan early in the season, which you know then, I, I see it. Like, girl, you were right. So I definitely think Lexi had some dark, evil, something going on, some mental, whatever. She had something going on that she was not talking about on the show. 
So she did not come off as a good person at all. She came off as very much a provocateur, very confrontational, very mean. However, we see a lot of the same things happening between the three of the Black women. And it's very obvious to me because there's only been about, what, like four Black women on Below Deck in general anyway. So right. you start to see these same things. And as a Black woman who has been in professional spaces, all of the techniques that people use, microaggressions, are the same. So between all of them, I'm going to use um, Ashley and Matt because Matt and Ashley did the same exact things, like... They mirror each other. In both cases, okay, they didn't like, Matt didn't like Lexi. Ashley doesn't like Gabby. So whenever both were out of the earshot, they spent all their free time talking bad about, you know, Matt's always talking about Lexi. Ashley's always talking about Gabby. Mm -hmm. And then not only are they talking bad, they make sure they hit every crew member they can. Hey, you know, she sold this, she sold that. Da, da, da. Why is she like this? Why is she like that? Don't say anything to them, but just planting the seeds in each crew member's mind, you know. Then we saw Matt antagonize Lexi at dinner. Lexi fell asleep for two hours and he's at the table like, well, where's Lexi? Where's Lexi? You don't even like her. Why do you need her right. to be there? And then she wakes up, you start an argument. And then we see Ashley do the same thing on with Gabby. Then the moment that they react, it's, oh my God, she's so afraid. Oh my God, look at what she, it turns into a spectacle. It's like, you poked her, you provoked her this whole time. Even though we went to Gabby, the thing that they called snapping with Gabby really bothered me because that was not a snap at all. Like, have you seen, have you seen yeah. anger? <laughs> and she did say they brought up the word intimidating a lot with her which i yes. found like crazy yes. to me these things are intentional like the fact that they aggressive you know, intimidating yes. angry yeah it's the angry black woman stereotype and it mm -hmm. happens all the time and the thing that makes me mad about it as an avid below deck watcher i'm on twitter naming specific examples every time like oh you can see that Ashley had no problem with Daisy and Gary hooking up she makes jokes about it oh you should get it over with oh when are y'all gonna ask da, da, da. Mm -hmm. but with Gabby she went into a whole meltdown like oh no oh my god I can't believe it oh they're gonna kiss they're gonna hook up and then the thing that really killed me is when she was like oh I'm not gonna have a threesome with her yeah what? Mm -hmm. what is that supposed to mean like never mind that your co-worker is offering you a threesome like no that's not the part yeah, it was the intonation on that. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't like I will never have one in my life. It was with her. Yeah. I caught that, that too. Mm -hmm. You know what that means. I know what that means. We are frustrating being on Twitter and literally spelling it out in 240 characters. And then people still come on mentions like, oh, it's not about race. It has nothing to do with race. It's, mm -hmm. it's definitely like it's all white people they, telling you it's got nothing to do with race. <laughs> it's definitely there um i've lived it i've had this experience before like it's definitely there and adrian i have to say i've been wanting to say this the whole time the way you use your platform is perfect like when i'm on your timeline I'm like oh my god i don't even have to nobody even has to guide adrian to it like she gets it and mm -hmm. i feel like we didn't get to see that side of you on your season because well your cast was all white and because, <laughs> and because you had to play very much the role of disciplinarian like boss like to the rules on your season so to see you actually talk about it and speak on it tweet on it have people on your show talking about it in depth that's how you use your platform that's how you make change in the workplace that that's how you ally you're doing a great job my personal experience is different than it was 10 years ago when we filmed 11 years ago when we filmed and I think that that lends me to a different 
thought process as well, because you're right, there wasn't a lot of people of color in the yachting industry, not only when we filmed, but just in general until recently. And it has changed my perspective. Not that I haven't had friends that are people of color or any of that kind of thing, but I think becoming close to Gabby in this process and seeing from her perspective what was going on and understanding a little bit more than what we actually see has definitely changed my perspective about things. And I'm grateful for that because I obviously can't have that experience. I also don't tan either. You know, there's a lot of things that I'm missing in that process, but what I'm grateful for is the difference in perspective that I've been able to gain. And I'm grateful that you see that I'm making an effort to understand that because I think it is really important. And I, even off camera, I have worked with a handful of people in the yachting industry that said to me before they saw the show, they never knew that this was an option for them. And I'm grateful that there has been some diversity shown in the yachting industry because it does exist more so now than it ever has before. I also am really sad at the way that some of this has been handled because I feel like it's just the same show over and over again. Yes, And that makes me really sad because I feel like it's deserving of a different storyline. I agree. Than just what we've seen. I agree. And if we had to tie it to Raina, because I feel like that season, I abandoned that season. Like I didn't watch, (laughs) I didn't watch the reunion. I didn't Mm -hmm. watch maybe the last episode because the racism got so out of hand, like on the show and in the audience, I just, I literally couldn't take it. And I was like, oh my God, racism is ruining. Like Below Deck is literally one of my favorite shows. Like, so now it's it's ruining my favorite show. I can't. And then like to speak to what you said earlier about the difference between Gabby and Lexi and Raina, to tie Raina into it, I see below deck viewers giving the black crew members superlatives. Well, it happens across all the shows really, but the black women especially get these superlatives that they do not deserve unfairly. Like I saw a lot of people saying like, Raina's the laziest deckhand ever. Like I've never seen somebody so entitled. Like, um, did they see your season? Have they seen Sam and CJ? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the show, because there have been way worse. Did you see Sunshine, Shane? Like, have you seen, like, I could go on and on. Nico, like, there's so many people who have been so much more blatantly lazy. And on Raina's season, Eddie and Captain Lee said explicitly, in plain English, it's not she's lazy. It's not, she's getting the work done. It's just something that's going on with her attitude. And somehow, people watched it and still took away... Oh, Raina's the laziest deckhand ever. And then it really got out of hand when people were like, she expressed that she wants to be a chef. And I saw people mad about that. You're never going to be a chef. You're so lazy. You're so entitled. I'm like, oh my gosh, she can't make a career change. Like, can, can she breathe? Jesus. She was wow. one of the few deck crew that was happily going to the interior and helping them out, even when it was stupid stuff. Like mm-hmm. when Honolulu Barbie asked her to move that chair five feet, she oh walked up the stairs, she moved the chair, she walked down the stairs again and never said a word about it. And if she throws an eye roll, so what? I threw an okay. eye roll at the TV that Heather asked her to do it in the first place. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's frustrating. I was going to say before how you had said that Adrian didn't have to deal with it as much. Something interesting Adrian did have to deal with in the diversity angle, not with people of color, but she did have a friendship with a lesbian and it turned into Adrian is a lesbian. I hate you know? that. So, right. and then 
like one of the last episodes of the season, so you didn't really get to like mm-hmm. justify. It's like, oh, but hey, even the next season when fun. she came he back, it was con- it was brought up. You know, so I think that you can see historically that Adrian has been very open unlike a lot of people that we see on these shows and I do want to give you props a for that because a lot of people overlook that back in the day you know you could call somebody out of their sexuality at the time that it aired and people were okay with it and were even laughing at the commentary the crew was making which they could never do now thank goodness with how things have changed But I'm hoping to see that same kind of progression with diversity of color in the show as well. Mm -hmm. That the more exposure that the audience get, the less of a topic that it becomes, that they don't have to fight all of these battles and that the doors are already open and that the yachting community really does become as diverse as the show. That's one thing I love about Below Deck because I feel like the problems that you run into on the show are very reflective of any workplace really especially in corporate america it's just Mm -hmm. on a very very small very intimate workplace i think if you can show it to people and see how ugly it is you know they start to reflect kind of most time they fight you on it but some of them will start to reflect it's just painful watching those first three people first four black people first those first people of color have to deal with it it's really triggering right and honestly we didn't talk about it a ton while we didn't have a podcast then but it wasn't spoken about a ton with Simone. It was like everybody just wrote her off as being confrontational because she said she wanted to be in the laundry. Then she was mad that she wasn't on service and people kind of wrote it off. And now I kind of want to go back and watch that season and see if she's had to face any of the same issues. Oh, she definitely did. Lexi or Raina or Gabriella had to face. I can tell you that for she definitely did. And I think it definitely went like I was tweeting about it at the time and I was like on uh on a limb. I should also say that's one of like the my least favorite seasons ever. Like I hate that season. So so problematic. But mm-hmm. in Simone's case, Kate said she said one thing to Kate. She confronted Kate one time and then Kate ran with this narrative for the rest of the time. Oh, she's not good at her job. Oh, she's the worst stew I've ever had. Oh, she's not good at her job. Blah, blah, blah. One, that's like, wow, it took that nothing for you to ruin her career that fast. She only said one thing to you. Number two, a blaring fact that we're overlooking, Kate is a mean girl. Like, it's just, <laughs> Kate is a mean girl. Like, hello, it, there's no mm-hmm. way around it. Sorry, yeah. Kate, don't tweet me about, she is a mean girl. But like, for some odd reason, when Simone pointed out the things, like you said, it got pushed over, like, oh, it's not valid. Oh, she's just being sensitive. And third, on a symbolic level, you kept a Black woman in the laundry room for like a whole season. Uh, Hello? (laughs) Yeah. No, that's a little symbolic, like it's a little too close to the, no. Yeah. 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 I think it's interesting going back a little bit to what you guys were talking about with the way that my crew handled a massive lack of sensitivity about what they thought was my sexual preferences at the time. And by the way, I watched those episodes with the people who were supposed to be my future in-laws and it was horrifying to have to explain any of that to them. (laughs) Yeah, it was it was pretty gnarly, but for what it's worth, I think that they also did delete an entire episode from my series because of the 
trans insensitivity of the crew. So that shows you what we're working with. A lot of that stuff wouldn't have aged well anyway. If my season was airing now, I feel like they would have edited that vastly differently. And they would have had to because the backlash from the way that my crew treated me and spoke about me would have been a much different interpretation now, 10 years later. Mm -hmm. And I'm okay with that. I mean, it's, there's nothing to be done about it now. It's just interesting the way that things have progressed. And like Jen said, I really hope that this means going forward, we will get a little bit more sensitivity, a lot more, I'm hopeful, towards people of color that are on these shows. Because it just doesn't seem like Bravo has gotten the gist of it yet. They keep putting crew members that are people of color into these situations. And then the same story plays out over and over and over again in slightly different flavors. Yes. And like for some odd reason, like on Bravo, oh my God, please don't, don't come after me because I, I love you, Bravo. I swear to God, it's one of my favorite, <laughs> ch- one of my favorite channels. But I feel like racism is a problem on Bravo. But then yeah. when it's toward Black people, Black women, it's just like, oh, that's just every day. Like it's racism is American as American pie. Oh, well, it's just a storyline. It's like, a learning opportunity is, you know, something that the viewers could see for fun. And it's like, how come racism is a problem, you know, when it's Kenya in a Native American costume and you fully understand the implications of that and have a statement and you have a segment at the reunion and then like any other time below deck, Salt Lake, it's like, oh, we might get a statement about it if it's black woman, like maybe, like, but for the most part, if you can have it play out on camera, it's like, yeah, we can do that and take lessons from there. It's like, wait a minute now, <laughs> wait yeah. a minute. Yeah. They do have a tendency to scold Black women for behavior that they don't scold. Honestly, Luann didn't get near the grief that she deserved to get for coming as Diane Rush. I made a TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) Did you? (laughs) I love receipts. I made For people who don't know, Luann is on The Real Housewives of New York, and she came to a costume party with what she said was bronzer. It was basically blackface, and she didn't get near the grief that Kenya, who is a woman of color from Atlanta's Real Housewives, got for wearing a Native American costume when she actually has Native American history, correct? Correct. Allegedly. Allegedly. Bravo has really had a problem with this. So far, I've only seen the first four episodes of Below Deck Down Under. Toomey seems to be okay right now as far as how she's being treated. I'm not saying she's okay. I'm saying she's in an okay environment, it Mm -hmm. seems, comparatively to what we've seen so far. So that's part of my hope in the progress. But until, and we've talked about this with Taria, we've talked about it with Stephanie, until Bravo gets to a point where they actually integrate and they don't do the tokenism, mm. I don't think that it's going to change a bunch. Well said. Well, perfect. You said it perfectly. I agree. But what are you looking for from the rest of the season? We're missing Gabby now and we've got Scarlett coming on and Barnaby coming on. Do you have hopes for what's going to happen? Are you just going to let it unfold and grab the popcorn? I'm really sad that Gabby left. Like I should start with that. Mm-hmm. I'm happy that she did it. I totally understand her reasoning because like Captain Glenn said, everybody has their limits and she definitely reached hers for sure. So I think she made the right decision, but I just think it sucks. She didn't deserve it. She was a great stew. But what I do look forward to 
good old karma, I look forward to Ashley trying to step into the second stew role and figuring out that she's really not a good worker at all. Cause she has not been good. Like right. um, we saw you not pitch a tent for an hour for the guests. And then when Gabby came over asking you like, well, why didn't you call for help? Oh, I don't want the attitude. So now good. You got second stew position that you wanted so badly. I hope you fail. Like that should be fun <laughs> to watch because <laughs> I think everybody see from a mile away that she's just really not a good employee one of my friends and i were talking last night we were hoping that scarlet got seconds to like that she had tons of experience and ashley still had to be third (laughs) how'd you figure out who who's coming they show us the guy we have little ways (laughs) reddit (laughs) reddit reddit's a good way reddit's got some good deep divers and we have people that we know but they're actually on the cast photos now. When I did a post last night and pulled up their pictures, they're on Bravo's page. So the deck crewman is named Barnaby Birkbeck. And I forget Scarlett's last name. Okay, question for you. This is right in the same vein. Mm-hmm. So when you go on below deck, which one comes first? Like, are you interviewing for the job on the boat first? Or are you interviewing for the show first? And then how does it look? Oh, both and what the producers have been doing well the casting agencies have been doing is going through yachty's instagram pages and finding other yachties that they're connected with so they know they're in the industry at least minorly in the industry usually and then reaching out to those people so they know before they contact them that they have some at least minor experience in the industry and then they reach out to them and ask them if they want to audition for the show Some people are directly recommended like Chandler and Bobby and some of the other cast that has come on before Heather was one of them that are directly given to the casting directors to interview. But I mean, I think it's clear from past seasons of Below Deck that they're not always looking for the best experience. They're just looking for somebody who's willing. Wow. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. Well, and even on my season, Eddie had never worked on a yacht before. Dave had never worked on a yacht before. Sam's only yachting experience was that her parents had one. So they didn't start off the best. Let's put it that way. Obviously, a couple of them worked out. Dave's a great guy. And I really enjoyed working with him. And he was a really hard worker, but he was also a Marine prior to that. So he had the discipline already Uh built in and you can teach Uh somebody how to use a chamois. It's so weird hearing Eddie was the new guy because I, yes, he was, but now he's comes. I watch him now. I'm like, I feel like you're like a whole different person. <laughs> like, you've, yeah. come, you've come so far. Good yeah. Yep. Yeah. Scarlett's last name is Bentley, by the way. I just oh. Googled it <laughs> while y'all were talking because I don't want her to think that I don't care as much about her coming on because I'm very excited about her coming on. So have you been watching Down Under, Nakia? No, I haven't started Down I really want to. Uh, it's on my list. I haven't started Down Under. But full disclosure, mm-hmm. I'm a little turned off by Aisha. And I used to love Aisha, but I'm a little turned off from her season when she was with, was that Med? Yeah, Below Deck mm-hmm. Med. With yeah, she's Jessica on Med. and Rob and et cetera, et cetera. Because I feel like she really played in Jessica's face. Like, I feel like you knew what you were doing, Rob. Rob definitely knew what, we were doing, what he was doing. Like, that's not even up for debate. But you knew what you were doing, Rob. You knew you were crossing the line. And, like, you try to play this homegirl. Like, oh, my God. No, it's not like that game. But then when you go back and watch her season, when mm-hmm. she was dating Jack, she had the same exact problems. Like, when guests were too flirty with Jack, she didn't like it. Or she would come at Jack, like, hey, what are you doing? But then, all of a sudden, you get 
in a crew where two people are dating all of a sudden all that goes out the window like oh you don't I don't know what you're talking about so that's like really turned me off yeah <laughs> now she's too, like yeah. uh I guess but I do I have full intentions to watch it Sure. Yeah. And I'm going to pick it back up once we're done. It's just too hard to keep track of everything. And it was because everybody except Asia was new. It was really hard for me because I've got half a crew to learn on sailing yacht and then a mm-hmm. whole crew, except for Asia to learn on down under my brain just couldn't wrap my head around all of it. So yeah, I'm going to definitely do it at the end, but the first four episodes made me want to watch. So you have to definitely make sure to put it on your list because what I'm hearing from people, they're putting it at the top, like the best what? franchise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What above? Because listen, Sailing Yacht is doing amazing for the three seasons. Yeah, the lady is amazing. So if you're saying Down Under is going coming for Sailing Yacht, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It was pretty crazy and intense the first four. I think a lot of it is just Jason Love, which Glenn's more my kind of captain than Jason. But uh, okay, is Jason bad? Wasn't there a show on Bravo where it was like shortly lived? where it was a captain, a young captain, and, like, his friends were on a boat instead of trying to guess. Is that that same guy? I can't even remember the name of that show. Oh, I don't know. I can't either. I would have to research. I honestly I feel like know. that would have come up on Reddit if that was the case, though. It was, like, one of the Summer House-type shows, right? Yes, Is that Where they were on a catamaran? The Summer House, and Summer House survived, and they didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I know what you're talking about. I, I don't think he was on that show, but I remember what you were talking about. It was right in the middle of one of the below deck seasons that they released that. And I think that it just didn't get the same amount of traction, but somebody that I have met and I actually met her with Gabby prior to both of their seasons airing was Toomey. And I remember Toomey and Gabby talking about their respective seasons and Toomey telling me that she had an amazing experience, which gives me a lot of hope for what the experience of people of color on the show could be has a potential to be so I am intrigued to watch the show I'm not a huge Asia fan I think she's great and I appreciate her bubbly personality but honestly I liked her as a supporting character not as a main character Mm. of the show because I just I'm not a big fan of cheerleaders Mm. and that constant over-the-top positivity and excitement level is draining to me. Okay. So that's where I She likes petty Bettys like me. She doesn't like nice people. (laughs) That's not true. I like nice people too. I just, I, the constant over-the-top enthusiasm is I've worked with people like that and it's exhaustive. And so watching it stresses me out a little. But then like watching her season back with Jack and like when she would get angry about them, like, is that really you? Like, <laughs> Cause that's mm-hmm. what I liked about her too. But now I'm like, oh, is that, I don't, uh, is that really you? <laughs> so yeah, I hope it gets better for sure. But like I said, it's just, you have to throw black people, people of color into the fire in order for it to happen. And I have to say, I really want to get this out there because like, I feel like a lot of times if you come across these things, these problematic behaviors, a lot of the argument is, oh, well, why don't you just educate us? Instead of being upset, like, why don't you just educate us? But then, like, those of us who experience these things tell you via Twitter and 240 characters, like, what it is, and you fight us on it. So it's like, which one is it? Do you want to improve or do you not want to improve? Because like I said earlier, 
the techniques that are used in order to isolate people of color in workplaces are the same. It's always going to be the same because workplace discrimination is illegal, <laughs> even on yachts. Uh, right. It is illegal. So it make, makes people have to get creative with their discrimination, whether they know it's there or not. So it leads to microaggressions, you know, little comments, little things that are absolutely designed to make you think, did she mean that the way I thought? Is that what? And other people wouldn't pick up on it, but as mm-hmm. the black woman or the target of it, you definitely pick up on it. You definitely feel it. And it's going to drive you crazy. It, it, we saw it drive Gabby crazy. That's exactly how it's designed because you can't just, I think too many people think that the racism has to be blatant bigotry, blatant calling somebody names or, you know, talking about hair, even though we didn't see that. It doesn't have to be. Like sometimes things are just ingrained, like, mm-hmm. and we see it with Gabby because with Ashley, why you said yourself, that you had the same amount of experience. Like you guys had the same amount of experience. So why did you automatically assume that you were going to be above Gabby? Hmm? <laughs> like, yeah. like there are always these things under, and even like we see it with Daisy. Don't get me wrong. I love Daisy. Daisy, if you're listening, I absolutely love Daisy. And I don't think that she's doing it on purpose. I think it's just some things that are subconscious, but like Daisy's inability to accept the fact that it might just be Ashley being problematic by herself. Like the whole season, she's going, oh, the two of them, oh, they're making each other mad. Oh, they're at each other's throats. Like, no, it's Ashley antagonizing Gabby. And your failure to accept that or to see that or to look at it that way, like that's problematic. You know what I'm saying? Like that's a a grace that as a white woman would get that a black woman does not get. Or we see her, we see Daisy get frustrated at the end, like after the party, like, well, why do I have to talk to Gabby? Why do I have to? I don't want to talk to her. Like, I don't want to do that anymore before Gabby leaves. But you spent mm-hmm. the whole season going to Ashley. Hey, Ashley, how you doing? Hey, how are you feeling today? Hey, um, I need you to do this and this and that. So it's like Black women don't get the same grace that other people do or white women do in the workplace. And those are the things that have to be called out to because you might not realize that you're doing it. It might just be ingrained or you might genuinely believe that you don't have a problem. But these are the things that are, you're just programmed to do. So it has to be talked about. Right. I agree. And I think communicating about it, whether it be online via Twitter, here on a podcast, whatever your platform, your forum of choice, your social media platform of choice is, talking about it is what gets us through it. And things that we don't understand, we can learn. People are capable of learning and changing their minds, but not if you're not open and honest about it. You can't shut people down and tell them you can't make this about race. It's not about race when there are racial components to it. It tends to be they do this all or nothing thing when there's a whole spectrum of issues that you can discuss. Exactly. Oh my God. This is is what I mean. This is why I tweet you guys like, you get it. Absolutely. (laughs) Perfect. Well, thank you. We want to thank you so much for coming on. And we really appreciate all of your input. I look forward to now that I'm following you and I know you're not blocking me. (laughs) I look forward to talking to you on live tweets since we're in the same time zone and getting to hear more of your perspective. If you would like to hear more of Nikia's perspective, follow her on Twitter at Echo Does Radio. And thank you all so much for listening. We will be back next week with a new episode for a recap and a new super fan. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank Thank you. you. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye. 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 Special thanks to our friends who helped us create Gangplank Report. Down below music and lyrics by Angel Tweeter Frail and Terry Abbott. 
performed by Lorelei of Florida. Production assistance by Michael Castaneda. Super fan intro by Blind Lawrence. Cast off me, Arties.